This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with me, Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm recording this uh, podcast on Sunday evening, May 31st. We're about to enter the month of June, and we are about two and a half months into the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, the good news is that dental offices across the United States are starting to open. Many of them have been open for one or two, some even three weeks. Many of them are going to open uh, tomorrow, which is uh, June 1. You'll This podcast will be published on uh, Wednesday, June the 3rd. But um, a lot of our offices are going to be opening on June 1. A lot of our offices that I've been talking to, a lot of my clients are saying that they've taken about a week to two weeks to prepare to open their dental offices. So tonight, uh, we're going to talk. It's going to be just you and I tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about uh, what's happening in opening dental offices, what I'm seeing. I'm also going to share some statistics uh, from the American Dental Association Health Policy Institute poll of 6,000 dentists. We'll talk a little bit about what what they're hearing. We're going to talk about the new guidance that came out. Uh, it's not so new, but it came out about uh, about a week and a half ago. I, I uh, It actually came out before I recorded the last podcast, but I just didn't have enough time to get it all ready to, to report to you. So I'm going to report it to you now. It was a 26-page uh, document with guidance on forgiveness. Uh, we had talked about the forgiveness uh, document for the payroll paycheck protection program. And they gave us some additional guidance, which I think will be very, uh, very helpful to you. And then I'm going to bring you up to date as to where we are with legislation. And folks, it does look like Congress may actually be getting the message from American small business that their first stab at giving money to small businesses didn't exactly hit the mark. So we'll talk about that. And if we have some time left, I'm, I want to share some thoughts with you about um, planning your next six months. One, one of the things that I've seen, uh, not only with my clients, but with all the nice folks that I've uh, been emailing and talking to across the country in the last several weeks, is that um, I, I, I'm not seeing as much of an urgency in planning out cash flow for six months from now, three months, six months. Because remember that once the PPP money is gone, if you've applied and been uh, successful in getting one of these loans, once that money is gone, uh, then you're on your own. And we don't know how quickly this is going to come back. It's starting really well. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But before I get going with the with the program, uh, let me give you some information. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of me in my office in Southern California, I'm in Tustin. Uh, I am at 714-505-9000. Just call the office 
uh, ask for me, and they will put you through to my uh, my home office, which is on the computer. Uh, well, my home office isn't actually on the computer. My computer's in the home office, but my phone rings through to my computer. It's pretty neat having a phone call talking into a computer. It works just fine. So give me a call. If you have questions, and again, I've answered hundreds, literally hundreds of questions uh, for all of you. Uh, for as many of you have asked them, I'm pretty much up to date. Email me at artwiederman at gmail.com. That's A-R-T-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at gmail.com. Uh, go onto the internet and take a look at our partner, uh, Decisions in Dentistry, which is a fantastic magazine. It's got great clinical content, great continuing education courses, all kinds of really neat stuff to help you through this very difficult time, www.decisionsindentistry.com. If you would like a complimentary 30-minute consultation with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, go on to the first page of the Decisions in Dentistry website, check the box, and uh, I personally will get in touch with you and put you in touch with the member firm in your area that will give you a call. Um, if you want to look at all the prior podcasts, we're now up uh Approaching 80 podcasts. I cannot believe it has been. It's been about a year and a half since we started this journey. And I think it was the first week of December in 2018. And boy, it's been fun. I mean, the last 10 weeks probably hasn't been as much fun as the, uh, the first, uh, <laughs> the first group of shows I did. But, uh, um, anyway, if you want to look at all the different web, um, podcasts that we've done, uh, that is at www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab and then go to the podcast tab and you'll see every single one up to date that I have done, uh, including the one tonight. And folks, if you are not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, uh, that's my, uh, that's my, my trade group, my brothers and sisters, um, we have become so close in this pandemic, uh, helping each other. It, it is unbelievable how a group of people can be so incredibly helpful to each other and sharing with each other and sharing with dentists across the United States. If you're not working with a dental CPA who understands how all these loan programs work, who understands, um, you know, where, um, where all the resources are, uh, you really need to be. And uh, you want to go to www.adcpa.org and look up the member firm in your area. We got you covered pretty much any place in the United States. And I am the member in, in Southern California, north of San Diego. Again, we have a great firm in San Diego. So if you're in San Diego, give Drew Hendricks' firm a call. If you're anywhere north of uh uh, San Diego, uh, anywhere up to, you know, pretty much Fresno and, you know, that's my area. Uh, be more than happy to help you. So let's start talking about what's going on in the dental profession. So about 40 states have opened for business, meaning allowing, um, allowing dentists to, to do non-emergency procedures. About 40 is my understanding is where we are right now. And um, there's a gentleman by the name of Marco Vujicic. 
I hope I pronounced his name right. And Marco, if you're listening and I didn't, please send me an email and I will I will repronounce your name correctly. I'm I'm very sorry about that. But Marco is uh, does all the webinars uh, and seminars for the American Dental Association, and he is part of their Health Policy Institute. And I've used I've used the Health Policy Institute's uh, information, which is really fantastic. As you know, the ADA is located in Chicago. And I've been expert, an expert witness in, in many cases, uh, involving disputes with dentists, not disputes with me, but where I'm hired as an expert to give one side or the other. And I have used in many cases the reports and the statistical information provided by uh, Marco and his team at the ADA's, uh, Health Policy Institute. So they did, uh, they've been doing studies on the impact of COVID-19. Now, what they said is that the week of May 26th, which is this week, so it's pretty current information, um, the patient rebound that they're seeing is that 54% of the practices, I'm sorry, the practices are generating revenues and generating, I'm sorry, generating production at about 54% of the pre-COVID-19 levels. And that is to be expected. Because remember, most of what I'm hearing is doctors are starting out. They're starting out slow. Um, they might just be starting with hygiene and a light doctor schedule. I'm hearing a lot of that. Uh, I'm hearing that dentists are giving, uh, instead of 60-minute hygiene appointments, they're scheduling 70 or 75. Because, folks, here's the deal. You are going to be listening to everybody's COVID-19 experience. Good, bad, I don't know if there's any good in this, but uh, good, bad, horrible, um, how their lives have been touched, how they're doing. And you can't just say to them, well, you know, gosh, you know, we're really down in production. We only got 54% of what we had before, so I, I need to rush along. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to be talking to your patients and listening to them and showing that you care and really being interested in how they're doing because that is going to be so important. The psychology of this is is incredibly important. So I'm hearing for many of my clients who are, and again, we're in Orange County, uh, which is an, a, a, um, an upper middle class to higher middle class area um, of Southern California. And, and I'm hearing that my clients are – generating in the first couple of weeks once they kind of get going somewhere in the 60 to 80 percent of pre-COVID-19 revenues. I'm hearing a little higher numbers and you also have to remember that everybody is getting used to, you know, cleaning the rooms, getting the rooms sanitized in a completely different way than what you've ever been used to and changing uh, you know, gowns and gear and, and, and masks and, um, shields. It all takes time and everybody is not used to it. Uh, a lot of my folks are getting used to it quickly. So we're seeing that that is, is also cutting into this. Now this, this survey was con- conducted with over 6,500 dentists in private practice. So that's a pretty good idea. And 58% of the dental practices had pretty much brought their dental teams back 100%. So that's that's good news. Uh, in other words, it's going to take some time. 
And the other good news that I'm hearing is there's a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, a lot of the offices may not have been open for emergencies. Um, those that were benefited and probably got some patients from other dentists. That's not the way you want to get patients, but that's what happened. And there's a lot of pent up demand. I'm hearing, um, I'm hearing from my specialists, from my periodontist and oral surgeons saying that there are patients that are saying, God, I wanted to get this done. I'm really happy that you're open. Others that are saying, why weren't you open earlier? And there, the answer is because my state, my city, or my county said I couldn't be open. We, we don't break laws in this, uh, uh, this week. Maybe next week, but not this week. I'm being facetious. So, um, like I said, 40 of the states are open for business. Uh, in my state of California, uh, about two weeks ago, the California Department of Public Health came out with some rules. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the states and cities and counties are just not being really clear because in here in California, what they've said is you really have to go by what your county says. And then our Governor Newsom came up with some specific rules about the number of people that have contracted the virus based on the population and this and that. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that and in Los Angeles County. I'm not sure anybody's sure when they're allowed to open or not allowed to open, but I will tell you that there's a lot of people opening. And uh, there are some that are not. And what we've also learned is that the largest reason people are not opening is, you know, 62% of them are saying they're not opening because the state will not let them open or their county won't let them open. Uh, 53% of the doctors are saying that there's a problem with getting adequate supply of PPE, personal protective equipment. And we are hearing that a lot. And what's happening is that everybody is scrambling and they are finding different sources. And the great thing about dentists is that they, you know, when, 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 when there's trouble times, dentists pull together, they help each other, they work together. That's why I'm honored and humbled to have served the dental profession for almost 36 years because they're just, you, you ladies and gentlemen are just such wonderful people. And I'm not saying that because I have to stroke anybody's ego. That's the fact. You guys are just wonderful. And on your blogs, you're, you're giving your friends, Hey, I got, I found some PPE here. Um, the California Dental Association got a bunch of PPE and they're giving out one kit per practice. I think they have like 25,000 of them. So if you haven't heard about that, uh, you can get that. It doesn't say how many masks and how many shields and how many gowns and, uh, are in the, uh, the one package you're going to get. But, um, you know, every little bit helps. And I know that the, the national companies, Henry Schein, Patterson, um, Benco, et cetera, they are, uh, you know, they are looking to get it as quickly as possible. And, and, and we're seeing that start to come back. Um, uh, 34% of the, of the doctors said they were unclear for the guidelines of reopening. And they said 28% of them had dental team members who were very hesitant to return to practice. But I'm hearing a lot of really positive people. And dentists are really positive people. And, and what they're telling me is, you know, Art, this is different. We get it. Our team is behind us. Um, I'm seeing a lot on my Instagram page um, that is showing me dentists, you know, being dressed in their uh, in their full gear. Uh, one of our clients uh, has a 
uh, a 12 year old daughter who did a great video for their website. Uh, a 12 year old, my goodness. I, I guess that's why we had children was to teach us old folks how to use computers and uh, social media and, and, and make videos and stuff. And this, this, this wonderful young lady made a, uh, uh, made a video of, of, uh, you know, the dental office. And it was amazing. And it was just, it wasn't complicated. It was very simple. So I'm hearing a lot of positive. I'm hearing doctors going back. They're happy to be back to work. Uh, you know, everybody likes a vacation, maybe not a 10 week vacation or an eight week vacation, but they like a vacation. And you know what? They're happy to be back to work. And you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing that the patients are happy to be back. Where were you? We missed you guys. And the more you communicated with your patients during this hiatus that you had, and the more you kept in touch with the public, and the more you were available to, to talk to your patients when they had a problem or for emergencies, I think the better that you're going to do. And I think that what's going to happen is that once people realize, because on the flip side, because you're going to listen to this and say, Art, you're not in reality. There's people that we're calling all the time that are saying, I'm not ready to come back. Yes, I absolutely know that. And I've heard 20 to 30% of the patients, many of them who are uh, the gray hairs uh, like me, um, I will, as soon as I get the call from my doctor, I will be back in the dental office. I guarantee you, I need to get my teeth cleaned. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the dental office that I go to, uh, here in Southern California. But there are people who are just not ready to go back. And the answer for them is, you know, well, either let's, you know, Mrs. Smith, let's, Let's put this out a month or two. Let's save you a slot because we're getting busy. Uh, and if they don't want to, it's, you know what, Mrs. Smith, we totally, totally understand. We, we understand this is a very difficult time. We are here for you. We'll check back with you periodically and see how you're doing, but we want to make sure that you're well taken care of. So that's my observation. Things got off to a, a good start. I mean, you don't just shut down an industry or a profession, if you will, and expect it to snap their fingers and come back, especially a profession where there is a fear that you could get this COVID-19 virus. So I think things have started off very, very well. And I'm very pleased as to what I'm hearing. And um, it, it's all going well so far. We'll see how it goes, um, how it goes in the future. All right, let's switch gears here. And let's talk about the um, Paycheck Protection Program, my favorite topic. I've been living, dreaming, eating, sleeping this monstrosity of a law um, that we still don't have all the answers for. And so uh, my, my, my new best friend, or my new bestest friend, I guess, um, young lady by the name of Megan Mortimer, she was on the podcast about a month ago. Um, she is the congressional lobbyist for the American Dental Association. And Megan knows that whenever I get to meet her face to face someday, I hope sooner rather than later, um, uh, I will buy her a steak dinner. I will buy her the cocktail of her choice. This, this young lady is m marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. I mean, she's e emailing me at all, 
hours of the day in the evening, six o'clock on a Saturday morning. So on Saturday morning, May 23rd, Memorial Day weekend, she sends me an email, says, guess what, Art? We've got 26 pages of SBA guidance on forgiveness. And I'm thinking 26, we need a lot more than that. So it's probably not everything. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I've been working a lot because I've been doing all these webinars. I've done probably 25 webinars and uh, the podcasts every week and writing articles for our newsletter. By the way, um, go on to our website, www.hmwccpa.com. I've written, I think, nine letters. Uh, I wrote one that came out on Friday with a lot of this information updated. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have a three-day weekend. But then Megan sends that to me. I go, well, silly me. Why would I ever think that I would get a three-day weekend? So I did spend a good amount of time, uh, not this current weekend, but last weekend, uh, not all of it, uh, but some of it getting ready and learning what they're saying. And that's part of what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. And so let's start with this guidance. So the first thing we learned from this guidance was that uh, we had talked about in a podcast, I think, back in mid-May, uh, that the SBA came out with their 11-page beast, uh, beast, B-E-A-S-T, beast of a forgiveness application that you're going to have to file once your eight-week period is over. And we did learn that the, uh, you know, banks can use this form, but they can also use their own equivalent form, equivalency form. Um, and we also learned from this that the SBA is going to issue rules on how they're going to review forgiveness, um, applications for anybody that's over $2 million. So they're going to let us know that along with all the other things that they haven't let us know yet. Maybe before I reach social security age. So the next thing they did is they told us what payroll costs are. And we kind of knew what this was, but this kind of made it clear, um, from the guidance. Payroll costs, remember, you have to spend 75% of this loan for payroll costs. Um, they have to be paid or incurred. So payroll costs that were paid or incurred during the eight-week consecutive period are eligible. Payroll costs are considered paid on the day that the paychecks are distributed or the borrower originates an ACH credit transaction. Um, and they're incurred on the day the employee's pay is earned, i.e. on the day the employee worked. So if I have an employee, they're not performing work, but they're still on the borrower's payroll, which is what they wanted you to do. They wanted you to take people off unemployment and put them on the payroll, even if your dental office wasn't open. Payroll costs are incurred based on the schedule established by the borrower, typically each day that the employee would have performed work. So in my mind, if you've had this money for four weeks and you haven't paid anybody, I think it's going to be very difficult to go back and just write them checks for four weeks for payroll. That's really not what the intention of this was. So if you haven't done, you know, paid anybody for four weeks and you're already four weeks into this or three weeks or five weeks or six weeks, whatever it is, some people are getting pretty darn close to the end here, then uh, you, you could have an issue. But do not fear. We have the cavalry coming in. We're going to be talking a little bit later about the proposals that are in Congress. Now, the next thing they told us is that we were always wondering, well, gee, what if we only were at 70 percent? 
uh, of payroll costs. What if the numbers were calculated and we just didn't bring everybody back as quickly or what have you? Uh, or maybe I miscalculated my uh, the amount of money that I needed. So they said in this guidance that you can pay bonuses and or hazard pay. But again, you can't go over the $15,385. Remember, if you have somebody who's making 100000 or more, that's the maximum, $15,385 that you can pay somebody uh, in, 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 and have it forgiven. So here's exactly what they said. The administrator, in consultation with the Secretary of the Treasury, has also determined that if an employee's total compensation does not exceed 100000 on an annualized basis, the employee's hazard pay and bonuses are eligible for loan forgiveness because they constitute a supplement to salary and wages and are thus a form of compensation. No limits on how much I can pay in bonuses? Uh, I mean, what's it worth for an employee, whether they have a pre-existing condition or not, to come back into an environment that potentially could be hazardous? Uh, we know you're going to make it not hazardous, but it's certainly worth something to pay them or just to pay them a bonus just for coming back to work. And that's what they wanted to do. They want you to give the employees this money. They want this money going into the economy and they want you to give it to them. So if your office manager was earning, you know, say for the covered period, the eight weeks was earning $10,000, say 5,000 a month, um, you can pay that employee up to another $5,385 in hazard pay uh, and not have a problem and have it all forgiven. And that will help you get to the 75% of payroll costs. So we were hoping they would say this, and they did. This is the first time we've heard it. We also heard some things about retirement plans for sole proprietors, partners, and independent contractors. And again, we kind of knew this, but now we know it for sure. We know that for sure, uh, contributions for health insurance and retirement plans contributions for the owner-doctor who is a sole proprietor, partner, or members uh, members in a partnership or LLC, uh, or independent contractors, are not allowed to have forgiven their retirement contribution. It says, quote, no additional forgiveness is provided for retirement or health insurance contributions for self-employed individuals, including Schedule C filers and general partners, as such expenses are paid out of their net self-employment income. I don't think that that's going to apply to partnerships of like S-corporations because the S-corporation is kind of a separate entity. So I think you guys will be in luck. But independent contractors, sole proprietors, partners in partnerships or LLCs, again, here in California – you can't practice dentistry and be an LLC because the lawyers made it that way many years ago. So that much we know. S corporations and C corporations, we believe you will be able to deduct your insurance. I'm sorry, your, your retirement plan contributions, 850 seconds of it and your health insurance. Although, as I've said before, I'm still not sure about how the S corporation health insurance works. I don't think they'll get it. But if we ever get guidance, I'll let you know. So 
Let's talk about non-payroll costs. So we got some interesting stuff here. So remember that we're spending 75% of the money on payroll costs, but we're also spending 25% of the money on non-payroll costs. So a non-payroll cost is eligible for forgiveness. I'm reading again right from the guidance. If it was one paid paid during the covered period or, very important, or two, incurred during the covered period and paid on or before the next regular billing date, even if the billing date is after the covered period. So they give you an example. And this applies to rent and utilities, basically. So a borrower's covered period begins on June 1st and ends on July 26th. So the borrower pays the May and June electricity bill. Now, remember, May is not in the covered period, but they pay the May and June electricity bill during the covered period starting June 1st and ending on July 26th. And then they pay their July electricity bill on August 10th, which is when it's due. So what do I get under this? The borrower may seek, and this is again right from the guidance, the borrower may seek loan forgiveness for its May and June electricity bills because they were paid during the covered period. In addition, they can seek loan forgiveness for a portion of their July electricity bill from July 1 to July 26th because it was incurred in July and even though it wasn't paid until August 10th, if it was paid afterwards by the regular billing date, not late, but by the regular billing date, they got through July 26th. So this doctor, covered period started June 1, ended July 26th. They're going to get their May, June, and 26th, 31st of their July utility bill um, covered under this money as long as they pay it uh, the the May and June during the covered period, and then July they pay by August 10th when it's due. So rent works the same way. So folks, if you got your money June 3rd, or you're going to get your money on June 3rd, or you got it on May 20th or May 15th, most of you got your money in the month of May. Some of you are still waiting to get your money, but most of you have probably gotten your money in the month of May if you were accepted uh, as a uh, borrower uh, and the bank paid you your money. You may not have paid your April rent yet, or you may have gone to your landlord. I just talked to a doctor the other day, and they said, well, I made an agreement. I pay half of the April rent, half of the May rent, half of the June rent now during April, May, and June. And then after that, um, I'll pay the rest of it off by the end of the year. And that's what I agreed to. I said, no, no, no. Let's have you pay the April rent, the May rent, and the June rent, or at least, you know, at least the April and May rent depends on the cash flow and everything. Um, and you will get it fully forgiven by the government. So can you pay your August rent? I think you might be pushing the envelope there, but we'll see if they ever give us any kind of specific guidance. I'm losing hope for that. So again, you know, that's that's going to give us an extra month of rent and utilities that we'll be able to pay. And that's going to be important when we get to what we think is going to happen later. So here's another interesting rule. And we've talked about this before, but they came out with some additional stuff on this. So 
Frequently Asked Question number 40 from the SBA's Frequently Asked Questions, which you can find on treasury.gov, basically said that if you offered to rehire an employee in writing, and the employee turned down your offer of employment, you had made a good faith effort to rehire that employee, and then you documented that, you know, that uh, documented this, that you did not have to include that employee as part of your full-time equivalent uh, calculation. Remember, folks, there's three things that reduce forgiveness. Not paying 75% in payroll costs, not having the same average number of full-time equivalents during your covered period as you had during um, other periods back in early uh, 2019 and early 2020. Uh, and you can get around that with a safe harbor that if you put everybody back on payroll that you had on February 15th by June 30th, which is why you don't want to file forgiveness before June 30th. And with these new laws that we believe are going to be passed, you're definitely not going to want to do that. That's your safe harbor. So you have an employee who says, huh, I don't really think I want to do this. I don't want to come back. So you made the good faith effort. It was in writing. The offer was at the same salary and wages and the same number of hours that you had for the prior period right before you shut your office down. The employee rejected it. You've maintained records of the offer and the rejection. And, and, and this is the new thing, the borrower, that being you, doctor, have informed the applicable state unemployment insurance office of such employee's rejection offer of reemployment within 30 days of rejection of the offer. So if you want to not include this person, okay, this person decides they're not going to come back. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to come back till August 1. Gee, what a coincidence. July 31 is the last day that the government's $600 kicker for unemployment is going to be paid to your employee. They're not going to come back until then. So if you offered them a job and you don't want to include them as part of your FTE, you've got to basically blow the whistle on them and say, hey, unemployment office. 30 days after you uh, send the letter, hey, unemployment office, guess what? Uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Johnson, my front office uh, administrator, uh, I offered her a job and she didn't want to take it. Uh, further information regarding how borrowers will report information concerning rejected rehire offers to state unemployment insurance offices will be provided on the SBA's web SBA's website sometime before the year 2187. No, it doesn't say that. So, again, you know, very touchy situation. Make sure that anything you do, anything, anything, anything that you do has the blessing of a labor attorney, preferably someone who specializes in working with healthcare offices, um, and that they bless what you do as far as that, you know, you're not going to get yourself in trouble because it's very, very, very touchy. And this rule does help you if you don't hire everybody back by June 30th. I got a, an email, uh, you know, my again, my my new best friend, Megan, from the ADA, um, you know, she she has been so sharing with me with resources and tools and keeping me up to speed and she sends uh, Alan Schiff, our ADCPA president, and I, uh, she'll send an email. She sent four or five of them at least, maybe more, and say, you know, I already got this question, and we have a 
uh, an ADA member who asks this, can you help? And you know, we're helping. I mean, it's, it's all hands on deck. And so, you know, she um, it was talking about a, a doctor who had, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of employees and, and they know that only, you know, about 80% of them are coming back. And how do we get around this rule? And so these are some of the things that we have to that we have to deal with. Remember, if you hire all your full-time employees, same number that you had on February 15th back by June 30th, and again, that might be extended. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you get around the safe harbor. Um, okay. So here's another one. Again, if an employee is fired for cause or they voluntarily resign or they request a schedule reduction, if any of these events happen, this is also in the guidance, the guidance says that you can count that employee at the same level, either 1.0 if they worked over 40 hours a week, unlikely in a dental office, or a 0.05 half time, which is under 40 hours a week if you're not using, uh, if you're using the simplified method of calculating full-time equivalencies. Or say if they work 30 hours a week, 0.75. You can count them the same way as you did before the pandemic. So you fire somebody for cause. They they did something bad and they're they're gone for cause. Or they resign. Or, and we've seen some of that, unfortunately, or they ask you to reduce their schedule. You're okay because if they were a 0.5 in, uh, on February 15th, they're a 0.5 now even if they're not working for you because the cares act was silent on this. And the SBA is saying that if an employee, if it's an employee's doing that, this reduction occurred and not your doing that you didn't bring them back, then they'll let you have it. Okay. So, um, and, and, you know, we, we talked about that. So anyway, so that's the, the guide. So where are we? Where are we? Well, here's what's been happening folks. What's been happening is that we saw a big rush for this money at the beginning. Remember, April 3rd, which seems like a millennial ago, millennial, now, that's, a, that's, a, that's a person ages uh, 21 to 39, I think. That, it, it's a millennium ago, a long, long time ago, April 3rd is when this thing started. And everybody, I was telling everybody, get this, get, get apply, 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 this money's going to run out. And the first bunch of money ran out in about 12 days. The second bunch of money, $310 billion, there's still $135 billion left. Why? Because a lot of people soured on this. And why did they sour? They soured because they started reading and talking to their friends and finding out that what I have been telling all of you to do to get full forgiveness of this loan required you to pay employees who were sitting at home because your dental offices were not open until the last week or two. Uh, They were making more money on unemployment. They were upset that you wanted them to come back, that you were going to pay them salaries to not work or not do very much, and they didn't want to come into the office, and it just created havoc. Well, think about I mean, dentistry, thank goodness, we're getting back to work. Think about the restaurant industry. Think about think about a restaurant. I mean, we just went out, my wife and I, 
my wife, Lynn, and I just went out for the first time to a sit-down restaurant here in California. Uh, it was uh, the rooftop at, at, at Ruby's Diner, and I'm not advertising for Ruby's or anybody else, but we did. And, and what was it? Every other table was blocked off. And there was plenty of social distancing in that restaurant. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're just not, they're not making it. And to give the gut for the government to give business owners this money when they don't need it and not give it to them when they do need it is not right. And they didn't, they just didn't get it right. Well, what happened was is about two weeks ago, uh, the, all the heads of the restaurant industry and other industries came into the White House, met with President Trump, met with Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Mnuchin and their team, and basically told them what's going on. And I think they finally got it because what happened was, was that, um, last Thursday, I believe it was Thursday, Thursday, the 20, what would that be? The 28th, I guess. Um, the House of Representatives passed a bill. Now, here's the good news. The bill was passed 417 to 1. One of the representatives, I won't mention a name, uh, I think he was from Kentucky, voted against it. But 417 to 1. So that's about as bipartisan as you're going to get. So the House of Representatives passed the Payroll Protection Flexibility Act. I love the names they come up with. The CARES Act, the HEROES Act, uh, the, the make, you know, make the NBA come back again act. I'd like to see that one, right? Uh, the Payroll Protection Flexibility Act. So it was passed by Congress. Now here's what it would do. It will expand the covered period from eight weeks to 24 weeks. So that means that if you got your money on May, First, what's that? June, July, August, September, October, November, right? Four months times six. You have until November to spend this money. So that's going to allow you as the dentist to hopefully get your team back up and running and all that stuff. It would basically change the 75% rule to a 60% rule, meaning that you would only have to spend 60% of the money on payroll costs. And again, this was something that was driven by the restaurant industry because think about it, folks. Restaurants, many restaurants are still not open. Some are starting to open for sit-down. But what you're hearing is that 25 to 50% of the restaurant is open for sit-down. And that means that they're not going to bring back 75% of their employees. In your dental office, are you doing a slow opening? Maybe you're not going to bring back 75% right away. Uh, and again, maybe you haven't been paying your employees. Some of you have been doing what I've suggested. If you wanted the forgiveness, remember, this is your choice. If you don't want the forgiveness, then... You should not worry about whether you're going to meet all these rules. You you need to use this money for what it's intended. But if you get some of it forgiven, great. But you have to do what's best for your business. We'll talk about that in a minute. So 60%. It would expand the payback of the non-forgiven portion of the loan from two years to five years. So remember, anything that's not forgiven 
is a two-year, 1% interest loan. Well, now with this proposal, the Payroll Protection Flexibility Act, it's a five-year. Uh, it would allow you to do payroll tax deferments, which I don't really recommend, um, if you've received PPP funds. Uh, those of you who want to, you can defer the employer portion of your payroll tax liability for, um, you know, uh, for the rest of this year, and then you can pay it back half in 2021 and half in 2022 with no penalty. Uh, you were not able to do that if you got a PPP loan. This law would change that. And the most important one is that it would extend the date that you need to meet the safe harbor for having the same number of full-time employees and restoring your employee's salary or hourly wage to what it was, uh, that date was June 30th. So the original CARES Act, the original section 1106 of the CARES Act said that if you wanted forgiveness, you had a safe harbor if you put everybody back on payroll on full salary by June 30th and you at, at the same salary or uh, hourly wage that they were making on February 15th, and you paid the 75% of payroll costs. Remember, three reductions, you got full forgiveness. Well, again, the business owners of America, it's not just the ADA. It's not just the restaurants, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, and hundreds of trade groups uh, weighed in with uh, the White House and with Congress and with the Treasury and with SBA. And they said, hey, guys, listen, you're not getting this right. There's no way based on what's going on in this country with 40 million people on unemployment, uh, that, that we're going to be able to hire everybody back in eight weeks, considering that we have been open for six of those eight weeks. So they, they got it. So it would extend the period of time that you need, uh, until you, you have to have hired everybody back and put them back on, um, payroll at their salary or hourly wage that they were on February 15th. Under this uh, House bill, you would have until the end of the year, December 31st. That changes everything. But let me keep going here because I want to let you know um, that the Senate has a bill. It's sponsored by actually five different senators. The lead sponsor is Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, who's kind of been the uh, for lack of a better word, the champion from the Senate uh, on the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. So their bill is not as extensive as the House bill, but here's what it says. Now, remember, the House bill is passed. I'm talking to you on Sunday evening, May 31st. Um, Megan will let me know when the vote is scheduled, probably as soon as she knows, because she, she's been amazing about that. Um and uh, that bill is scheduled for a vote this week. How quickly after uh, this week will they get together? So let's say the Senate passes a bill, the House passes a bill, they get together, they work out their differences, they come out with a bill that everybody will sign, uh, that everybody will pass. So then there's a new bill, the House has to vote on it, then the Senate has to vote on it, and then the President has to sign it. So does this happen this week, the week of June 1st? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know how quickly they're going to move. They they need to move quickly because the eight-week period is coming to an end very quickly for people who got this money early. So back to the Senate bill. It would extend the time that you had to apply for a PPP loan. Remember, you have to apply by June 30th. If you have not applied, boy, you guessed right. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. And, and please, again, I will tell you, I have been beating the drum of Get the money, put everybody back on payroll, get them off of unemployment if you want full forgiveness. Do not shoot the messenger. That is what the law said. Now the law says differently, potentially. So if you haven't applied, you can apply now. You have right now till June 30th. There's $135 billion left. I believe you could get a PPP loan, and gee, what a perfect time to get it. Just about when you're ramping up your full team, And if they're going to extend the period of time you have to use this for, it'll work out well. So the Senate bill extends the deadline to apply. You can apply till the end of the year under the Senate bill. So remember, the House bill was 16, was 24 weeks. Um, So it goes till November. The House bill is 16 weeks instead of eight weeks. So the House says 24. The Senate says 16. Do they compromise at 20? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, here's another really important thing that the ADA has been lobbying for. And and again, I want to say what a wonderful job they have done. Um, uh, you know, Megan and Michael Graham, um, and, and all the people at the American Dental Association have been fighting hard for you in Congress. The Senate bill allows borrowers to use the loan funds to purchase PPE. So, a little tongue twister. You can use your PPP to buy PPE. Try and say that fast three times, folks. That's not going to happen. I tried. So, you can use your PPP money to pay for PPE for employees and to pay for adaptive investments needed to reopen safely. So, adaptive investments includes modifications to a commercial property to comply with public health guidelines from the CDC and other relevant federal agencies. These investments could include creating or expanding a drive-through window, physical barriers such as sneeze guards, ventilation system upgrades, etc. So, drive-through window. So, if you guys are going to be doing crowns and bridges and implants and inlays and onlays and uh, maybe selling burgers, you have a drive-through window, that would apply. Probably not a good idea to have a drive through window selling burgers, but uh, an accountant's futile attempt at humor on a Sunday night. But there you go. Um, it would also state that um, borrowers who have maintained payroll for eight weeks will not lose loan forgiveness if they have to lay people off and it's extended to 16 weeks. So we believe we're going to have a bill. So what does that mean? What does that mean, folks? So what that means is that it's going to get really interesting to figure this out because think about it. When you all applied for this loan, you applied based on two and one-half times your average payroll costs, right? So that was because – and the reason they did that, they even said this in the guidance, is is that – we figure that we're, we're going to have you apply for two and a half weeks, two and a half months, which is about 10 weeks, to pay payroll costs in eight weeks. And that's kind of where they came up with the 75-25. So if we give you $100,000, which is based on 10 weeks, 
we're thinking that you're going to spend about 75000 of it to pay your people the same amounts for eight weeks. That's what it was based on. Well, so now everybody's applied for this money. There's no, you know, it's not like, okay, we're going to do a do-over like we did when we were when we were kids or I had this great computer game called Microsoft golf that you could play. And, you know, you're playing golf on the computer and you aim the, the, the cursor there. Well, we had a mulligan button and I would push the mulligan button every time I hit, um, hit a bad shot. There is no mulligan button. If you got a loan for a hundred thousand, if you didn't do the calculations, right, if the bank didn't do it right, that's what you got. So now you've got this hundred thousand dollars, but now we have a 16 week period or a 20-week period. So you're absolutely going to spend, you know, all of this money. Um, are you going to spend more than 60 or 75% of payroll costs? We'll have to see where they land. Um, but how are they going to do these calculations now? Um, you know, what? how do you allocate the way this money is spent? What if you commingled the money? And now you've gone, you know, four or five months Maybe you spent 130000 on payroll costs. Um, how do we know that it's more than 60%? How are they going to do this? It's a math problem that they're going to have to figure out. Uh, are you going to get more rent? Are you going to be able to pay more of your retirement contribution? I don't know if it's going to really make a difference, folks, because at the end of the day, if they give you four, five, six months potentially to spend this money, Spending all of the money on qualified expenses, assuming that they look at what you've spent, is not going to be an issue. So it's going to make it a lot better for you. Um, for those of you who um, did what you were asked to do, followed the rules, uh, you're not going to be happy. And I can't blame you. Um, it's just not fair what they're doing. They should have gotten it right from the beginning. So actually, the American Dental Association has asked in a letter to Congress, they have actually asked that, can we do something for these people um, who followed the rules? We'd like to give them a tax credit. Remember, a credit is better than a deduction. A credit is a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction of your tax liability, whereas a deduction is you get a deduction for $10,000. You save at your tax rate 30%. That's $3,000. So a credit's better than a deduction. So the um, the ADA is asking for a credit for those people who follow the rules without any guidance from the beginning. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm always an optimist, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I will be reporting back to you. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll keep you posted on the next, uh, uh, the next couple of podcasts as to what happens and when it becomes law. And then we'll get much deeper into this. Uh, and, and we're going to have a lot of really great people coming on to the show. Uh, I've got Dr. Paul Homily, who I've already recorded his podcast, and it's got some great information uh, in that regard. Um, and, and, and other people I'm planning on having to help you, give you some resources uh, to make sure that you're successful. So I want to spend the last couple of minutes that I have with you guys talking about the plan going forward. And, and again, I'm concerned because 
there are dentists out there who have knock on wood have built multi-million dollar net worths uh if they have to kick a hundred thousand dollars in for uh you know six months to keep the place running it's not a big deal but unfortunately there's a lot of the people that i work with clients dentists in america uh, maybe they're younger maybe they just bought a practice maybe they just started a practice they don't have that safety net and the banks aren't going to, you can't just walk into the bank now and say, oh, by the way, oh, you, you might have heard there's a, a like this COVID-19 thing going around. I had to shut my office for 10 weeks. So can you kind of give me $100,000 of working capital so I can get by? That's not how it works. You have the PPP money and that money is going to run out. Most of you got somewhere between fifty dollars and $150,000. That money's going to run out. It's going to run out in Eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, depending on how you've chosen to spend it. What do we do after this? I have created, and will be happy to share with all of you, um, a planning spreadsheet for six months. In other words, cash flow for six months. And it's hard to do on a podcast to explain it to you. But basically, what I would like to suggest that you do is to sit down and figure out how much money do you think you're going to need? Do you remember at the beginning when we started this whole thing in March and I was talking to you about building a war chest and I wanted you to figure out how much money did you need and when were you going to need it and, and, and how is this going to work out? Well, now we're here. Now I have a spreadsheet that's got in the first column what your 2019 numbers look like. What were your revenues? What were your expenses? Uh, on the example, the profit you know, is a million dollars of revenue, profit of $353,000, 35.3%, which is right in the ballpark of what you know well-run dental practices earn. And then we have each month. And for each month, we have a column. And the idea is for you to estimate, let's say you got your PPP money on May 15th, and you're going to open your dental office tomorrow, June 1st, tomorrow for me two days ago if you're listening to this on Wednesday. And you're going to open your office on June the 1st. And for the month of June, we're going to have 50% of the revenues that we had last year. That's what we're going to guess. Then for the month of July, we're going to be up to 70%. And then August, we're going to be up to 75%. And then uh, September, October, November, that rounds out my six months, you're going to be up to uh, 80%. So we have the spreadsheet. It does all of that. And what it ends up showing me on a million dollar practice, if I used 45,000 of my PPP money to pay my employees and my rent and everything, um, what it does is it shows me that I'm going to be down about $65,000 and I get to use 15,385 of that, uh, you know, uh, I can cut that loss uh, because I get to pay myself. So maybe fifty to a hundred thousand dollars over the next six months uh, would allow me to be back to where I was through the end of the year. And uh, so those are the numbers that I want to know because then then it allows me to 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 use this money wisely to make decisions. Do I bring all my employees back? Do I pay them? hazard pay bonuses or retention bonuses? Um, do I let a couple of people go that I don't really need? 
And, and, and what I want to point out to you is that, you know, this thing is going to be over. This PPP is going to be over. It may not be over till the end of the year, but you're going to spend most of this money probably before the start of the third quarter, I would suspect. And what's important is how are we going to get going after that? Now, obviously, you're going to do everything that you possibly can to get things going. And, you know, everything I'm reading uh, says that we're going to have a rebound. Is it going to come back super quickly? No. No, this economy is going to take one to two years to come back. It will come back from what everybody is saying. Um, we are down in GDP, gross domestic product. We will be down 40% in the second quarter of 2020. That is so mind-boggling, I cannot even begin to tell you. A country with, what, $15 trillion of a gross domestic product is going to be down 40%, 440 so what they're saying is that in the third quarter, as the as businesses and cities and counties start to open, dental offices and hair salons and restaurants and uh, all kinds of businesses start to open for business and people start gradually getting jobs and gradually being rehired, not all of them, but gradually, um, we're going to see maybe an increase, an uptick in the GDP maybe 10 to 15 to 20% in the last couple of quarters. It's not going to come back all the way, but it's going to come back some. It can't go down much further because we've pretty much shut the economy down. So, you know, you need to make a plan to make sure that you can get through this. Once we have a vaccine or a remedy for this horrible, horrible virus, then life will get back to normal. Now, Normal may be different, okay? Normal might be a lot different. People working more from home, uh, but they're still going to go to the dentist, and they still need to get their teeth fixed. There's no question about it. And the one thing you heard uh, in my podcast that uh, came out last week from my good friend Gary Takis, and you will hear from Paul Homily, is, and, and Paul just does it so eloquently, and I'll give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about with him. Um, is, is that, folks, this is a perfect opportunity to help provide your patients with their opportunity to get complete care because we know, and I'll just keep it very short because Paul, I've given away Paul's secrets, but this is what he says. And I agree with him. It just hit me right between the eyes. It makes so much sense. The COVID-19 virus is a virus that takes advantage of immune systems that are not as strong as other immune systems. I have the immune system of a horse. I can count on two hands the number of times I've been sick in my entire professional career, and that's the God's honest truth. I don't get sick. I have asthma, but I don't get sick. So if we can help solve dental problems and deal with people's complete dental health, does that, ladies and gentlemen, not really help the immune system? Because if you ask a lot of people, most all disease or a lot of it starts in the mouth. So if we can have healthy teeth and healthy gums and take care of all the dental problems and the decay, um, does that not 
uh, give us a much better opportunity to have a stronger immune system, which will fight this COVID. And, and that's what Dr. Homily talks about. It's brilliant. It absolutely makes all the sense in the world. So you'll hear that in our future podcast. So I want to encourage you, if you want the, the spreadsheet on, um, and again, it's, it's pretty simplistic. You can expand it any way you want. It's all, formula it out. I learned a long time ago that when you do an Excel spreadsheet, you use formulas. Uh, you will have to put in the percentages for whatever percentage of revenue each month you expect to collect. Um, but uh, be happy to share it with you. Uh, email me at artweederman at gmail.com. We'll get that for you. And if you have any questions about any of this stuff, call my office, 714-505-9000. Email me again, artweederman at gmail.com. Go on to our website uh, for the uh, Decisions in Dentistry. Great content. You'll see all of our podcasts there, www.decisionsindentistry.com. And uh, go on to our website, which is basically – um, our website is www.hmwccpa.com. And uh, finally, if you are not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, we have all been living and breathing this. I mean, some of the things that these guys are doing, uh, I mean, Kate Williford, God, I love Kate. She is my dear friend. She has put out on her website, the Williford Group, uh, just, just Google that. A whole survey she did of 300 dentists on PPE equipment and opening of dental offices. Uh, just, just remarkable stuff. What, what Mark Rosen has done, uh, with all his webinars. Uh, you know, all of our members have just done some really, really great stuff. Um, on their websites, all kinds of stuff on COVID-19. I've written letters until my hand's going to fall off, uh, typing all this stuff. So, uh, call a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. Well, I'll tell you what, I always, I never wonder how, I always wonder how I get through an hour that I have enough material, but I just seem to keep talking. And I will tell you folks, I am very optimistic about our economy. This has been horrible, terrible. Nobody has enjoyed it. Life has been changed. Uh, and it's not going to get back to what we saw maybe for another year because, I mean, it's going to start to. You know, are we going to see professional and college and high school sports? Are we going to be able to go to a football game this fall and watch our kids play high school football or high school basketball or watch our favorite college football team? We might not be able to do that in 2020, and it might not be till 2021. We'll see. I'm hoping. But but here's the deal. The dental profession has always been strong. It's always been resilient. Um, in 2008, Dental practices went down 5 to 15%, and that was an economic meltdown. Um, but they came back. And what happens is, is that once we get a virus, um, uh, a vaccine for this virus and, uh, and, and cures for this virus so that it is no longer going to be a pandemic, it's going to be hopefully like the flu, and we're hearing really optimistic stories about that happening sooner rather than later, but realistically, that's 6 to 12 months away. Once that happens and people do not have the fear of going to a movie theater or going to the dentist or going into a mall or going shopping or getting together or having barbecues, 
our economy will pick up. And you know what? Americans are really smart and they're really strong and they're really resilient. And we are going to succeed because remember, folks, failure is not an option. So I want to wish all of you a wonderful evening. Uh, I am so blessed working with dentists and having devoted my career now almost 36 years and working with dentists and I God bless God may God bless every single one of you and your family and your friends and all your patients and all your employees uh, we will get through this we absolutely will this is not a life-ending event this too shall pass it's going to require a little effort and for those of you who are really putting in that effort which is most all of you you're going to be happy at the result. And if you're putting your head in the sand, folks, it might not end well. So really start, you know, go get the ADA's toolkit. Go get uh, all the wonderful webinars that are on there from all the great consultants and coaches all over the country and listen to what they have to say. I will continue to bring you the information on the SBA loan programs. We'll continue to bring you great guests um, who can give you great ideas on opening your dental office, growing your dental practice, and doing all the things you need to be uh, to be wildly successful. So with that, I'm going to sign off. So this is Art Wiederman. This has been the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <music>